Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, Tequila Embajador. Well, I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. And of course, when we hear that music and that opening, we know that we're going to go out to uh, the Raider Nation guest line, Raider Nation radio guest line, and welcome in our good friends from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas, Dr. Robert O'Dell and Dr. Stephen Shaw. And before we bring in the great doctors, just want to let you know, look, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. And unfortunately... Uh, too many of us, whether it's ourselves, um, a loved one, a friend, a colleague, a coworker, are living in that exact circumstance. Well, the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today and book an appointment online uh, to find, or book an appointment online, to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible. We all deserve that, and the doctors and the staff at the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas can absolutely get you back on track to live a life exactly like that. Call them at 702-257-7246. Without further ado, Dr. Odell, Dr. Shaw, how are we doing this week? Doing great. Doing great how are you? Doing great. I am doing really well. Uh, I'm not as doing as good as Manny Machado from the San Diego Padres. Um, <laughs> they're, he's great, making a lot of money and playing some fabulous, fabulous baseball. Uh, but doctors, he is suffering from a term that we all hear uh, but I think there's a lot of confusion on what exactly it is. Uh, sure. Manny Machado, the great third baseman for the San Diego Padres, uh, has been diagnosed with tennis elbow, and it knocked him out of a couple of weeks of action. Uh, he's now back in the lineup, but obviously it's something that he's going to have to deal with. I don't think it goes away overnight. Uh, so Manny Machado, the third baseman for the San Diego Padres, is dealing with tennis elbow, and it was enough and sufficient enough to knock him out of some games. Doctors, what exactly is tennis elbow? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take this if, yeah, if yeah. you don't mind. So there's actually, uh, if the elbow, there's two separate conditions that can occur. Um, tennis elbow is essentially a form of tendonitis, and it's located on the outside portion of your elbow. Um, they call it tennis elbow because it's normally provoked or aggravated when if you were to perform a movement like a tennis, tennis racket backhand. Uh, so the pain occurs on the outside part of the elbow. On the inside part of the elbow, they call that, if there's any pain there, they call that golfer's elbow, sometimes swimmer's elbow, but it's also tendonitis, just like tennis elbow. And it's usually the result of chronic repetitive motions over and over again. Obviously, tennis players would get it, swimmer, swimmers would get it, and golfers would get it because of the repetitive nature of those movements. But essentially, all of the the tendons that uh, innervate the wrist and, um, and forearm muscles attach to those sites and are easily aggravated just from those chronic repetitive motions. 
Uh, doctors, a couple of years ago, before I knew uh, both of you uh, gentlemen in the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas, uh, two nights in a row I slept uh, I woke up and my elbow was at a weird spot place. I basically slept wrongly on it and uh, my elbow hurt and I was too stupid or whatever the case might be to, to, to call you guys or somebody uh, that does what you guys do um, because my, my elbow hurt for months. I was, I literally two or three months. I thought I was never going to get better. Like I was like, I can't believe this has happened. Slowly but surely, it got better uh, and and went away. Am I? Is that? Can that cause it too? Sleeping wrong on your elbow, or is that a different type of an issue? Uh, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll, again, I'll take this if you don't mind, Doc. Um, y- yeah. So sleeping on it could you could provoke or irritate those tendons, and the, the problem is that you know we use our elbow and our shoulder and our arms. Uh, in a regular capacity every single day. So if you've already irritated it from the sleep position and then you drive a car or brush your hair or uh, tie your shoe, it's just at, like putting gasoline onto a fire. So it never really gets better. And that's the problem with tendonitis is it has a, a propensity to continually flare up with even normal day-to-day activities. I mean, if you were to just put it in a sling and forget about it, you would probably heal uh, you know, within a few weeks, but the, the, the problem is just normal day-to-day life just keeps re-aggravating. And I can only imagine throwing, uh, you know, uh, heaters across the infield to first base probably irritates uh, the third baseman's elbow even more. Yep, without question. Okay, Dr. Odell, uh, in Manny Machado's case for the San Diego Padres, or just uh, the weekend warrior that, that may suffer a, a similar uh, predicament with their, with their elbow, what's the, what's the solution? What, do you, what can you guys do uh, to help Look, out? The first thing I want to comment on is when, what happened to you. When people get injured, they need to go see... Yes. The doctor or physical therapist or a chiropractor. And I have been guilty of that as much as the rest in putting things off. I admit it. You know, I have to take medicines so many times a day and I and I forget to take it in the evening. You know, it's it's a human thing. Most uh uh in most times I prescribe medicine I try to do it once a day, but for narcotics, obviously, people are in pain. They're motivated to take it two or three times or four times a day. So that's a very important point. I, I've i seen so many patients with that said, I didn't know anything you could do for this. And 95% of them can be fixed by one of the most, uh, the safest and most effective treatments we do at our clinic. Now, um, your question was, again, what when when something like this does happen? Uh, when you, you know the next time, and I'm not going to be an idiot the next time uh, it happens. If 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 I do sleep wrong on my on my elbow and I wake up with a with a similar predicament, uh, what can I do? What can you guys provide um, uh, at the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas? And for a guy like Manny Manny Macchiato, um, what what can he do um, to to alleviate this? To go on and do what he does, and for me, just live in my normal life. I, I think there's a couple different answers. For the weekend warrior, I think you need to go get conservative treatment. For the weekend warrior who doesn't get better, you can have platelet-rich plasma injected, or you can do uh, a ster- little steroid, or you can take systemic steroids, or you can take systemic uh, anti-inflammatories. And I mentioned before Ultacure, which I take on a daily basis, and I have no pain. If this if this uh, baseball player was taking... Uh, 
uh, ultracure, he probably wouldn't have, he may not have this. Now, for the athlete who has to perform the next day, I think we would go ahead and put steroids in there, uh, knowing that, you know, we're not, we're not doing any harm because the amount of steroids is a very, very small amount. Right. Because it's a very, very small joint. Um, uh, injecting steroids into larger joints really can be toxic. And, you know, if somebody's 85 or 80 and has a, a shoulder that hurts, we'll put steroids in. But if somebody is uh, in their 40s, uh, you know, we need to talk about it. The steroids and local anesthetic actually are toxic to the joint, something a lot of people and a lot of orthopedic surgeons sorry, right. don't realize. Or maybe they realize, but they do it anyway. Wow, um, that's not good. Uh, you know, one of the good news uh, uh, out of uh, Manny Machado's uh, or Manny Machado's uh, case was that uh, there was actually some worry that it might be uh, the ulnar collateral ligament, uh, which is commonly referred to as the Tommy John uh, injury. Uh, Doctor Shaw, what exactly is that? And, and good news is he avoided that. It turned out to be tennis elbow, which is irritating and painful. <laughs> But uh, something far less uh, than uh, than than the uh, ulnar collateral uh, ligament injury. Yeah, so all ligaments connect bone to bone, and when you're putting in an incredible amount of stress on there, as I'm sure Mr. Machado was, uh, you know, throwing balls that far that fast, it's just a matter of time before the tissues start to break down, and that's when it becomes a concern, and they may may or may not have to intervene surgically. Uh, but in the case of, of um, a tennis elbow, uh, it really is just an, in, it's an inflammatory condition of the tendons that attach the muscles to the bones. And um, so, as Dr. Odell was saying, uh, if, if he was playing the next day, the treatment would essentially be to control the swelling around that area with an injection of steroids. And then uh, the unfortunate part is you never actually get rid of tendonitis or tennis elbow. You only simply manage it. So from that point on, uh, I'm sure he would have a regular regimen of, of uh, therapy with his trainers and team doctors. Uh, but, yeah, a, a ligament tear is far different cry uh, or far different condition than a tendonitis or irritation of the tendons. Is surgery ever um, in play with an injury like that? Well, it, you know, if the joint becomes unstable as a result of the injury and it can no longer function in a normal range of motion or, or bear weight, uh, then, then yes, that's a decision between the, uh, the player and the doctor. But uh, or, ordinarily, if it's a simple uh, grade one or grade two tear, then it's normally rehabilitated with therapy. Dr. Odell, we talk about um, uh, tennis elbow. Is there tennis knee? Is there tennis ankle? Are there are there other parts of the body that can fall victim to this type of an injury? Well, I, I've not heard of those terms. I think they're described in in different language because the um, anatomy is different. For example, the knee is a is a joint that only operates in one dimension: flexion and extension. The ankle is a little more complicated. But uh, it, it, it's these syndromes that are described by the by the uh, doctors, but by doctors and by the literature, depend are, are sort of dependent on the joint that's involved. So tennis elbow uh, is specific, for example, to the elbow. It, it, it's actually kind of good because laymen can understand that because it gives the. Um, Gives the name of the uh, joint in question, uh, and, yeah, and I, it, Doc. I would say uh, yeah. So 
tennis elbow is basically a synonym for tendonitis. Okay. And you can have tendon you can have tendonitis of the knee. You can have tendonitis of the ankle, and you certainly can have tendonitis of the hip. So yeah, anywhere, but, yeah, but you're, anywhere, you're, anywhere you're the being... muscles attached to the frame, you can have tendonitis. They termed tennis elbow due to the fact that it becomes irritated when you perform a backhand type of movement like a tennis backhand swing. Which we all know Dr. Odell is extremely proficient at, by the way. I've heard but, that. Oh, I guess my, my, my point is that's, that's a very it's a layman's term, yes. which is very useful for layman because it identifies the anatomical part. Uh, exactly, uh, and 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 Doctor Odell, um, what kind of long range um, ramifications are we talking about, Doctor? I know Doctor Shaw just mentioned that there's no real all curing type of a thing for for this. It's something that you have to manage. Um, what what are ways to manage it, and um, and is is it something that you just end up having to deal with uh, for the rest of your life, basically? The first thing, of course, is conservative therapy. In our clinic, we, we have an anti-inflammatory device, this Nexus device, which works beautifully uh, in a non-drug way of reducing inflammation. Patients have to come through two or three times a week for several weeks. You can also take NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. We, we've talked about in this program many times UltraCure, which is the best curcumin product I know of, which I personally take and which is as strong as the insights, but has none of the side effects. Now, going further, if the, if, if the uh, condition persists, platelet-rich plasma in the younger patients, and maybe even patients up to the age, you know, 70 or so, uh, is, is quite, quite useful. In fact, I'm going to a regenerative medicine uh, meeting in Newport Beach uh, tomorrow, where a friend of mine is a world-class uh, regen medicine, George Chang-Chan, which I'm hoping I can have him on this program soon because he's guy's amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, down the line, or if you're older, steroids, little steroids is fine just for palliative care. So there's a whole gamut of treatment, which really depends on a lot of factors, and that's you know what your doctor can can take into account when he gives you the recommendation for what he thinks is best for you, he or she thinks is best for you. This is why we have uh, Dr. Odell and Dr. Shaw on our show. Uh, they provide answers to questions that we ask ourselves and uh, situations that we deal with every single day. That's why you need to call them at 702-257-7246. It's Dr. Odell and Dr. Stephen Shaw uh, from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. They can get you back in line to living a pain-free life. Just to give them a call, 702-257-7246. Dr. Odell, Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you, you next week. Very good. Thank, thank you. you. Go Raiders, go Knights. Have a great weekend. You too. Our thanks again to Dr. Odell and Dr. Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. You are listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. In the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Friday night in Las Vegas. What do we got? We got the uh, Rangers against the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
as somebody that uh, was born in New York, I'm going to root for the Rangers. I'm a, more of an Islander guy, uh, the New York Islanders, uh, than than the Rangers. But uh, at this point, we're down to, what, four teams? I think the other one is Edmonton against Calgary, the Battle of Alberta, Canada. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rangers in this series. I'm going to go old school with the Edmonton Oilers in the other. I'm not the biggest hockey fan, but, you know, there's enjoyment in uh, in, in especially when it gets to this point in the season. Uh, for the for the casual fans, we used to always talk about how when 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 the moms and everybody and the aunts start getting interested, that's when it gets really serious. Because then when they start when like w- with the Lakers, let's say uh, it was when to start planning the parties and the watch parties, and you know moms making a big dinner for the, inviting the whole neighborhood over. That's when it gets serious, man. Um, and I think for hockey, it's getting to that point, and certainly is for the NBA Finals. And uh, I think that's going to be a. I think the Boston Celtics going in there and winning Game One has a chance to make this a memorable final. Now the Warriors might go reel off four straight wins, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I think that them winning Game One and now put, you know putting the pressure on the Warriors to respond before they go to Boston has a chance, Demont, to maybe set this thing up as a uh, as a really good series and not just um, you know a, 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 a okay series. Hold on, real quick, Ryan Reeves, former Golden Knight, just got put in the penalty box, and I didn't think uh, a slashing penalty. I didn't think that was warranted. Anywho, isn't the uh, Rangers coach the former Golden Knights coach? That I have to look into because I, I am also a very casual fan. I think so. I think I've been reading where, like, why'd you get rid of Reeves and why'd you fire the coach? They're over in New York doing their thing. So, but when it comes to ownership, is there an owner? First of all, that, ho- yeah, go ahead. That, that, is there an owner that you can think of that can be so good at owning w- one team uh-huh. and so bad at owning another, like James Dolan, where you've got the Rangers, a perennial playoff contender, and then you've got the He's Knicks. Just bad. I think they win in spite of him, but okay, go ahead. Oh no, no, I'm just the like, can you, no, too, yeah. but I just want to say he's really can you think bad of another owner where, that hey, someone who owns two teams in two different sports. Well, um, let's see. Stan Kroenke owns the Rams. He also owns the Avalanche and the uh, Nuggets. Although, although uh, by rule he had to he had to um, put the uh, those two he had to put the Avalanche and and uh, Nuggets into the name of his kids. So, but he's also a a, a, a the uh, what do you call it? The uh, there is like in London. He has a soccer team over there too. It starts with an A. The um, Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, and they're terrible. They've been bad for a long time now. So uh, if you want to put it on Stan, um, you could put that on Stan. Yeah, they're, they're his, we well, we have to look that up. But yeah, there are there are definitely uh, well when when uh, Jerry Buss owned the Lakers and the Kings, he owned both of those teams. They never talk about that too. You know, I just thought of that. In uh, winning time, they never talk about the fact that he simultaneously was owning the Kings right there. Too. Oh no! But when did he purchase the Kings? Nineteen seventy. He bought everything. He bought oh. the Kings, the Lakers, and the Forum from um, the, the previous owner. The previous owner owned all. Uh, in fact, that previous owner who was from Canada and was stunned that uh, he said he goes, you know, Los Angeles has like three hundred thousand Canadians. He goes, and none of them are. <laughs> Hockey fans, amazingly. <laughs> it was, no, you just are building a bad team. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I just thought of that. They never once, I don't think, mentioned that, he, that Jerry Buss bought the Kings, too. And they had some, they had some good years during those years, but, uh, but certainly the Lakers were winning championships, and the Kings never came close until later on, and they changed owners. And it wasn't necessarily, 
I, I don't know if it was because he was a bad owner. They just had some bad luck, and, t- and players were going other places. I don't, I don't know why it all kind of balanced out the way it did. Um, so, you know, yeah, you, definitely have, uh, you definitely have that. I'm trying to think of any other owner that owns another sports team where one is really good and the other is, is really bad. We'll have to think about that uh, for a second. But Dolan, yeah, he's just despised in New York because he has just – you know, pretty much ruined the Knicks, um, and and it's just it hasn't it hasn't been good. The, the NBA, it would be so great if the Knicks could be relevant again, like relevant in a major way. It just makes the whole thing a little bit spicier, uh, a little bit better. But for whatever reason, that has not been for a long time. Although I I remember when they they hired Phil Jackson. I think I've told you this story. Uh, and they hired him as the president. Remember the uh, president and the GM and all. Oh, I remember the, the whole nine yards. And uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, uh, you know, Mitch Kupchak, the, the Lakers general manager at the time, and, and they were good friends. He worked for, not worked for, but worked with Phil Jackson. And he just told me one time, he's like, the thought that because I, I think Phil Jackson at his introductory press uh, conference sort of insinuated that he was going to beat the bushes for the players and go find the players and leave no stone unturned. And Mitch was like. Phil Jackson's not going to be showing up in, in Spokane, Washington in the middle of November on a rainy night to go watch, to do what you have to do as a general manager, to go w- personally watch players. And that's the difference because Jerry West would. Jerry West would be at Loyola Marymount. Jerry West would be in uh, in Idaho to go watch, you know, the, the seven-footer over there. Uh, he would be there. You have to be there. And Phil Jackson, that was the whole thing. Like, he's not going to be doing what you need to be doing in that role. Could he coach? Obviously, he could coach. But could he procure talent and do the necessary things that you needed to do to find that talent? Mm, not so sure. And if you look at the Knicks, he certainly uh, <laughs> didn't. It didn't work out for with uh, with with uh, Phil. And I'm telling you this right now. As much respect as Phil Jackson has, there's, there were people in the NBA who were laughing taking taking a pleasure let's put it that way in phil jackson not succeeding because there was always oh he the triangle and this and that you know and he was like this guru. Be better than you aura yeah and it was like you know come on phil he wasn't even that great of an x's and o's guy it was a bunch of his great assistant coaches who were that he did the overall thing and set the tone and the culture and he was fantastic at that um but he wasn't some master, focus, focus. mastermind. Plus, he had Michael Jordan. And then Shaquille O'Neal and uh, Kobe Bryant. That helps a little bit, I would think, right? You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. When we get back, Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated, the Monday morning quarterback, is going to join us to talk about the fascinating, thorough article that he wrote today. Or I don't know if he wrote it today, but it came out today. I read it today, so I'm going to just say that he wrote it today. Um, that appeared uh, in Sports Illustrated Monday, Monday, Monday morning quarterback about Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, the new power here uh, in Las Vegas, what they've learned from their previous stops, including Josh McDaniels in Denver. We're going to get into it with Albert when we get back. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. It is a Friday in the huddle brought to you by Tequila Embajador. And we're going to, it's our pleasure to go out onto the Raider Nation Radio uh, guest line and welcome in the great Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated and Monday Morning Quarterback. 
Uh, Albert, first of all, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, are you back uh, on the East Coast after your trip to Las Vegas? Yeah, I am. I've been back for a couple of weeks now. That was actually May that I was out there. Yeah, so it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks. Yep, absolutely. And I could tell you uh, put a lot of work and a lot of time uh, into this article, first of all. Tip of the cap, it was a fantastic article that you wrote about Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler uh, and the journey that they've begun uh, here in, in, in Las Vegas, which when you read the article, you understand that this journey is a long time in the making. And there's been some twists and turns and all the various things that you would expect uh, in a journey like this. But it's led them here to Las Vegas. And you did a fantastic job of, of capturing the journey and where they are now and, and what might lie ahead. Uh, but I got to ask you, Albert, you know, as you approach this story, um, what kind of uh, level of open-mindedness do you, do you have on what you might find when you got here to Las Vegas? And were there any surprises uh, upon visiting with Dave Ziegler and, and Josh and everybody else here in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, I like I, I have, you know, like known the guys for right. a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I do think, um, you know, like one of the things I sort of went into it trying to attack was, how like this was going to be sort of different than you know what they've done in New England because you know the perception at least for most of the guys who've left Foxborough and gone to other places and some of the guys you know who have failed and if you look at Belichick's coaching tree I mean the history isn't great right like so um, how are they going to do things different and you know what I what I found in Vegas was something that was very very different than Foxborough. And it doesn't mean what Belichick's doing is wrong or has done is wrong because obviously, um, you know, he is where he is for a reason, and they've done a lot of things right there. Um, but you know, I do think that there's an acknowledgement in, in in Vegas, you know, in that building that they can't just sort of airlift what they did in Foxborough and try to put it in place in a, in, a, in a new city and think it's going to work the same way. Because so much of you know what was built in New England was based on who Bill Belichick is as a coach and who Bill Belichick is as a person, and so you know I I think that sort of you know was stuck out when I you know when I got around the building in Vegas was so much of it's distinctly Josh and distinctly Dave and distinctly like what you know who they are as people, and it doesn't mean like the standards different, and it doesn't mean like that there's not marks of the system um, you know from New England. In Vegas, obviously that stuff's there, but just the way that it's sort of packaged and put together is very, very different from New England. And, you know, I, I think I think a lot of people who know Josh really well would tell you that the building now in, in Vegas feels very much like it feels very much like Josh McDaniel's building, you know. And I don't know that they ever got to that point in Denver, um, where Josh was able to show his personality to that degree and sort of let who he is become what the building was. And um, I think you're seeing that in Vegas now with the way that they're able to build relationships, they're able to build trust. And um, it does feel like the foundation there, and, and look, like they play in the toughest division in football. Um, and, you know, more than half the coaches hired every year wind up failing. So, um, they have a long way to go, but it does look like there's a pretty sturdy foundation being put in place there um, based on who Josh is, based on who Dave is, and based on where they've been. 
Yeah, and I think that um, you know, if you take the step back uh, to, to Denver, and um, you know, and it, it feels like Josh McDaniels took the time in between what happened there to today, and really self reflected, and you know, probably had a checklist of things that he felt like he did wrong, and was going to learn from them, uh, and and then implement whatever it was they learned in his new venture, uh, it being here in Las Vegas. And I got to say, um, when you mentioned like the human uh, side of things, uh, just, a, just a couple of minutes ago, you know, when I've talked to Josh about any player from the very beginning, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, it was always, it's always been, well, we're getting to know each other as people. I'm building that human relationship. The football part will take care of itself. It was like every single time he talked about any individual player, he was talking about the human side of things first. The football side will take care of itself. Um, and it felt like he understood that he just didn't do that in Denver. Like you said, maybe he didn't have time to do it. Maybe he tried to tackle yeah. too much. But it felt like that was part of the issue, whereas now it feels like he's going to make sure that that, isn't, um, that, that's not a, that doesn't impede him uh, in terms of whatever success or however this turns out. Is that the read that you got as well? Yeah, and I, and I think so much of it's just what you said, which is, like how much time he's got to build those relationships. And, um, you know, sort of went into doing this as, like, trying to ascertain was, like, he trying too hard to be Belichick in Denver. Um, you know, because I covered him then, too. Um, you know, and I know that that's always been the perception, or was it something else? And, you know, really, like, what I came away from the whole um, experience there with, Having talked to, and this wasn't about talking to Josh, it was about, you know, talking to guys like Dave and Champ Kelly, guys that were with him in Denver. Uh, you know, like, I, sort of like what the, the conclusion I came to wasn't that he was trying to be Bill. It was that the people there just didn't know him at all. Right. You know, and that there was, like, Josh was getting pulled in every different direction. And, he was trying to do every different job. And, you know, I, I think part of it was probably feeling like that's what Bill did in New England and it was all he knew. Um, but I don't think it was like Josh, like, forcing, like, uh, like a personality that wasn't his on other people. More so, I think it was, well, I'm going to try to do every job here and, like, if I can do that, then I'm going to be able to do the job that, that Bill Belichick did, not recognizing how important the re- relationship-building part of it was. And so I think the difference now is that he's surrounded himself with a lot of people he trusts and that he feels like he can delegate to. And I, I don't know that at 32 years old he would have been secure enough in himself to gel- delegate things the way he is at 46 years old. You know, now he's saying, okay, like, I'm okay if Mick Lombardi is running the offense during the week. I'm okay if Pat Graham is over here handling the defense on his own. I'm okay if Dave Ziegler is running personnel over here. Um, And if that allows me to do things to build relationships with people in the building, well, then that's the whole idea of hiring people I trust around me, you know? And so, um, you know, I think it just – it took a certain emotional intelligence for Josh to realize what he did wrong in Denver and how it went wrong in Denver. And, and the easy answer was, well, I was try- just trying to be Bill. The more complicated answer was, it wasn't the players thought I was trying to be Bill. It was the players didn't really know me at all. 
And so, you know, it's like one of the stories they told, he, he told me was like he and Dave, the minute they, they were hired, sat down with a list of players to, to make personal phone calls to, you know, and Derek Carr was at the start of that list. But I mean, there were a lot of other guys in there too. And it was making sure that those guys heard from them first, you know, and that that relationship was already starting to build um, before anybody else could sort of shape the perception of who the new guys were. And so, you know, I think the idea is, I mean, look, like there's still like some Patriot markings to what they're doing in that, like there's a standard they're going to uphold and there's a certain way they're going to want to run the offense and the defense and all that different stuff. And a lot of that's going to require pushing guys really, really hard. The idea here now is it's going to be a lot easier to ask more of guys and push guys harder if we've already got a relationship in place and the relationship has to come first. Absolutely. And we're talking to Albert Breer. You can follow him at Albert Breer, uh, the great writer for uh, Sports Illustrated and Monday Morning Quarterback. Uh, Albert, from the player's perspective, uh, I'm sure they had preconceived uh, ideas and notions uh, of Josh McDaniels based on what happened in Denver and his years in New England. But when you talk to a Derek Carr and a Max Crosby, whatever that preconceived idea was, when you did talk to them, uh, what was the feedback that you got from what they found Josh McDaniels to really be when they actually got a chance to know him? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is he's got a ton of credibility from a football standpoint, right? Like, And I think, um, you know, like a guy like Max Crosby's played against his offenses. A guy like Derek Carr has, you know, on, you know, cross-tape, that sort of thing, studied his offenses. And so, you know, I think, like, there's already a respect for the football acumen, which is, um, you know, something that's, I think, a, a prereq because any player, I mean, look, like, like the first thing for any player is, can you help me win and can you make me rich? Right. And yes. you have to have football acumen to do that, right? Like, so, you know, I think Josh, having against the Patriots, having studied the Patriots, already had that level of respect for Josh. Um, yeah, and then I think the effort to just build the relationship, you know, and Derek told me the story of how, um, you know, the week I was there, you know, he was a little sick and there was something going through his house and, you know, his kids got sick and everything else. And Josh basically forced him from the building, you know, and said, no, go take care of your family. I trust you, you know, and it's, I think for, for these guys, it's like, oh, he, he gives a crap about me, you know, and he trusts that like, I'm going to get my work done, even if it's not here in the building. And I think so much of that, like, sort of dovetails with, you know, like Ziegler's department, which is, like, let's get the right kind of guys in here where we don't have to step on their throats 100% of the time to get the sort of results that we want, you know. And so they did bring in some guys, like, that they had past experience with, like, you know, Chandler Jones or, you know, even like a, a Devontae Adams who had, you know, background, of course, with Edgar Bennett. Um, you know, and then, you know, Jerron Harmon, another veteran from New England, but they made sure to pay the Raider guys first, right? Like, so they take care of Max Crosby first. They let Derek Carr know we're going to take care of you, even if that contract wasn't done before um, Devontae Adams comes in and before um, Chandler Jones comes in, Derek Carr knows he's going to be taken care of. You know, there are little things like that, like where, um, you know, like that, 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 that the trust is, is being built again, like, you know, when that trust starts to get built, then you can turn around and be hard on the guy when he has a bad day, you know, be hard on the guy. Like if he gets something wrong in the meeting room, because 
that guy's then going to trust that you have his best interest in mind. And if you've already rewarded him, it shows like that you've got that trust in him. Albert, um, you also talk about Dave Ziegler, uh, the general manager. Uh, how important um, was to? How important is it for both men to be here together, uh, sort of leaning on each other and trusting each other? Um, how, how how big of a component and element is that? It's a one. I don't like. I mean, one thing that they were sure to tell me was like it wasn't like there was some like grand plan to make this happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, you know, Josh McDaniels almost went and worked with Chris Ballard in Indianapolis. He almost got the Philadelphia job last year. Ziggler wouldn't have gone to Philly with him. Josh would have worked with Howie Roseman there. And, you know, Josh had offered that job last year, I believe, as he would have taken it. Um, Same thing with Dave. Like last year, I think if Denver had offered Dave the job, then I think Dave would have taken it. And obviously, like Josh wasn't going to be hired back by Denver. There are a bunch of recent examples of, like, you know, like this wasn't necessarily a end-all, be-all, like, we're going to do this come hell or high water. Right. Now, there is another example out there when they were in Cleveland. Like, when Josh interviewed Cleveland in 2020, like, my belief is if Josh had gotten the job over Kevin Stefanski that year, then I think Dave Ziegler would have been his GM there. So it was one of those things that was sort of in the back of their heads, like, this would really work. Um, and... You know, I do think, like, if you had asked Josh last year, the year before, like, if you could pick anybody to come with you as GM, I think it would have been Dave Ziegler. Um, but it didn't mean it was a fait accompli. So um, I think they both feel like the sense I got is that, like, this has sort of worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And, you know, again, like, one of the, the good things about it for Josh is, you know, when he was in Denver, for like, he he came in and – like he basically had to teach everybody a new scouting system to make it work with the way that he was going to, you know, coach the team and the way that they were going to look at players. And um, he doesn't have to do that now, you know, like he can, again, focus on stuff like building relationships with these guys, you know, building the right sort of environment in the building because he knows, you know, Dave sees things through the same sort of prism that he does. And, you know, like when it comes to like, you know, building a grading scale, then you look at like where Dave is, like look, look who is working underneath him. You have, um, you know, a, a bunch of guys who work for Mike Mayock, whose system isn't that far off from uh, what the Patriots were doing to begin with. Um, you have Champ Kelly, who worked with Dave in Denver. You have Dwan Daniels, who came from New England, who worked with Dave in New England. And so, you know, I think the the advantage they have now on the early end of of building. Um, building things in, in Vegas is like Josh doesn't have to spend time teaching, you know, the scouts like, Hey, here's how we grade players. And conversely, Dave doesn't have to talk to the coaches very much about, Hey, here's how we're going to put players in the roster. If you were to paint a, uh, a quick portrait of who Dave Ziegler is, uh, where would you start? And, and what would that portrait look like? <clears throat> um, <laughs> I would say, like, Dave's like a, I would say, like, a, a very normal guy, you know, and, um, like, I I think, like, he's the sort of person who can relate with anybody, and you put him in any situation, he's like a chameleon, he could blend into it, you know, and, um, you know, I, I think it sort of lends well to having a guy who's going to be a strong head coach, who's going to be an opinionated head coach, and that. 
like he's going to be able to take in everything that Josh says and that Josh tells him Josh's opinions and sort of synthesize that with the way his scouts and the way he sees things. And, um, you know, I, I think you know, conversely, like, you know, Dave is very opinionated and he has his own way of doing things. And, you know, like, so I think when Josh needs pushback on certain things, he's going to get it from Dave, you know, like, it's not like he's got a GM there who is going to be to tell him what he thinks um, or afraid that it's going to create issues because these guys have known each other since they were teenagers, you know? And so, like, I think that that's another place where this works is, you know, the personalities, I think, because the guys have known each other so long, um, there's going to be no issue with one guy telling the other guy the truth. Um, and I think it's going to make for easy communication between the coaching and the scouting departments. And, again, like, I, I, I don't think that this was any sort of fait accompli. Like, I think if the right coaching opportunity came along where there was a standing GM and Josh couldn't bring in his own guy, well, then Josh would have gone somewhere without Zig. And I think if, you know, something happened the other way where there was an open GM job Zig liked and, um, and the, the head coach was going to stick around, like, I think he would have been open to that. So, like, I don't think that this was absolutely positively going to happen for the last few years, but I think the fact that it did is beneficial for all. Last question for you, Albert, and I really appreciate uh, your time. Uh, we're in Las Vegas. Uh, it's, a, it's a gambling kind of a town, and there's odds and all that ty- type of stuff. Um, I know we can't predict the future, and I know that there's a lot of different variables that are going to ultimately decide um, how this does work or not. Uh, But if you were to put odds on it, favorable that this thing works out here with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler? I think so. You know, and I I would just say this. Like, I I can tell you, like, based on what, like, the best coaches, the best offensive coaches in the NFL think, and Josh is part of that group. You know, like if you ask Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or Sean Payton, like who they view as like the guys that are in their class, like Josh McDaniels would be at the top of the list. So I think you start there. Like I think the Raiders are going to have a dynamic offensive scheme that is, you know, top of class. And Derek Carr is going to be built playing in an offense that's built to get the most out of him. And so – I think you start there, and then, you know, I think you look at Josh's overall vision for the franchise and the fact that he's being freed up to sort of touch every piece of it, um, you know, touch the defense, touch the special teams, be part of personnel. Um, you know, I, I just I think there's a really good opportunity for this to work. And it look, like, again, like, an, I, you know, I'll say this to um, Blue in the face, the, the division they're in is going to make it difficult. There's no question about that. You know, Brandon Staley, I think, you know, got off to a really promising start in L.A., and Justin Herbert looks like he's going to be, you know, an MVP type of quarterback for the next decade. And, you know, Kansas City is what Kansas City's been. They've hosted the AFC title game the last four years in a row and have maybe the best young quarterback to come into the league in the last decade. Um, So, you know, you've got those two teams, obviously Russell Wilson now in Denver, so it's a competitive environment. You know, but I think what the Raiders have done now by bringing in Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler has given themselves a chance, and we'll see where it goes from there. Albert Breer, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you for a great article. Uh, as a colleague, tip of the cap, uh, it was a fantastic job and a fantastic read. Uh, and for everybody out there, go to SI.com and read it yourself. It's a, really a tremendous piece. Uh, Albert, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you down the road, my friend. 
All right. Thanks, Vinny. I appreciate it. You got it. That was Albert Breer, uh, the great writer from Sports Illustrated uh, and Monday Morning Quarterback. And uh, I urge everybody, if you're a Raider fan, you got to read this article. I'm just I'm being straight up. Uh, so go to SI.com. Uh, it's called uh, The Anatomy of a Second Chance. It's about Josh uh, McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and this new power structure here in Las Vegas. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Our thanks again. Oh, you're going to go there, huh? Our thanks again, and as I'm sure Albert's a Celtics fan, so he probably hates that sound just as much as I do. Our thanks again to Albert Breer. From Sports Illustrated, Monday Monday, Monday morning quarterback Demon Cotton, uh, you heard the man. What did you think? Oh, that was a great piece. Like, um, just the way he was able to articulate it, and then to get that much time and access with the guys, yeah, was a great Those thing the fun about stories. it. Those are the really fun yeah, stories. Yeah, because when you're able to just shadow these guys and mm-hmm. and they're opening up to you, and you don't have to worry about like, hey, is this on the record? This off the record? Because you know that it's not a hit job. So and giving, there's a relationship. Exactly. And That's giving, what yes. this is all about. And it's getting that relationship. Uh, one of the bigger pieces for me was Derek Carr, where he comes in a little sick. Yeah. And he's like, hey, man, just go home. You know, And that's like the thing that I think that Josh McDaniels, in this second stint as a head coach, those are the different things where the players can say, hey, man, our head coach, he's not a robot. He's not just a, hey, football, football, football guy. Right. He cares about us as people. Yeah, uh, absolutely agreed. And I and I and I am interested because you know uh, Albert talked about what coaches think of, uh, of of Josh McDaniels and and I've alluded to the same thing because uh, when his name started being bandied about in a serious way and I started talking to my people in the NFL unanimously that was the feedback that I was getting especially as an offensive um, uh, mind like he's a game changer on that side of the football and these are this was coming from people that. We'll give it to you the other way. If it was terrible, they'd be telling you that too. Um, so uh, to hear what Albert was talking about in that regard jives with everything that I was hearing. And here's the thing, Devon. Uh, Derek Carr is a football nerd too. Derek Carr is like next level. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.